Welcome to the Raven Precision Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by product manager Chad Bigler, and he's here to talk about RS1 version 1.4 software. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the RS1, it's our latest steering solution that combines slingshot connectivity, uh, GPS guidance, and auto steering all in one package. There are also some different options that come in the form of, a, of an SC1 and a TC1, and uh, Chad actually explains the differences between them in the episode. So in this, we talk about a few of the new enhancements with the 1.4 software, along with some of the updated machine tune sets. After that, we get a bit into Raven's next big product release. Uh, you may want to stick around for that. It's kind of awesome, just saying. So with that said, let's get into the conversation with Chad. Maybe. Okay, good. What was that? Oh. You're going to know this because you're a movie guy. What was the guy that he always had people call in to the love line? You give him advice? A big oh. afro? Oh. Uh, uh, the ladies' man. The Leon ladies Phelps. Man. Leon Phelps. There you go. <laughs> like I said, are you recording? Yes, I am recording. All right, good. You are on record, Chad, for being a part of this podcast, so thank you. As Leon Phelps? No, it's Chad Bigler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. We just, we just need to bring Dave in here so he can laugh. Mm-hmm. That was a treat. <laughs> I've really been wanting him to come in here for a long oh, time. That was a funny one. I li- that was my first one I listened to. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and I'm sitting on the plate and I'm laughing at the person next to me. You know, it was a 45-minute one, whatnot. The person next to me was just laughing, just looking at me and I'm laughing the entire mm-hmm. time and putting my head against the wall. <laughs> Well, we're not going to be that fun today, I don't think. Probably not. Cause, well, uh, not with that attitude. Fair enough. Can't have no in your heart. So <laughs> we're here to talk about RS1 1.4. And I think there's probably a few other things that we'd talk to that are uh, maybe some hardware stuff that's not necessarily related to 1.4, right? Uh, but anyway, let's uh, let's get into it then. So uh, let's see. Probably one of the first... One of the things you were kind of talking about before we started recording is uh, GS Lite. So what uh, what are we looking at as far as the the software side of things? Are we just adding support for it, like it's a thing in a drop down, or or maybe we even want to talk about what GS Lite is? Sure, sure, yeah, I'll back up. So our GPS or GNSS correction services that we offer today is in the form of say a satellite GS which is a subscription-based correction uh, delivered via satellite that allows you to get to pretty fine accurate accuracy, not quite down to an RTK level, but fairly close. What GS Lite is, is it actually pairs it back to where you have a little bit less of an accuracy, but it is a much faster convergence to it. Mm-hmm. And this is offered to where Satellite GS, one of the big things there was it was an unlock and a subscription. Satellite GS Lite is only subscription. And it's a one-year subscription versus a satellite GS. You had a couple different options to it. Um, but it's a little bit cheaper offering, but it also has just a, a subscription base to it. And with that being said, what the difference was or what the change was is our ability for our system to support it. Mm-hmm. Because previously we just had the satellite GS or an RTK. Right. And now we're adding in a third variable to that. There, the world is changing. 
you know, right. our competitors are using different corrections as well. There's different technologies coming out. So this is just another feature for areas that I would say don't quite have WAS or SBAS. Um, you'll see this as a mm-hmm. use maybe more in Canada or Brazil or Ukraine, Russia, certain areas that SBAS, what we consider in the States, is not um, just readily available right. per se. So it is a cheaper offering. It is something that is available and uh, today we're adding it into the RS1 or SC1, whereas in the past our GPS was, say, in the Viper 4 or um, in the P300 unit, if you're familiar with some of our older legacy products. Mm-hmm. So this is just adding the system functionality, the configuration, and the availability to enter in that subscription code, but also on the main screen or the operating page to actually identify that I'm in a GS light mode or a satellite GS mode sure. or an RTK mode. Mm-hmm. So adding on to a little bit around the technical specifications for GS Lite, uh, one of the things as it is compared to SBAS pretty considerably in the States, like I just mentioned, the benefits that you see from an SBAS or autonomous solution is SBAS from a pass-to-pass, which is in the event I'm going to the end of the field and then coming back over, Mm -hmm. um, a shift over, I would say, to my next pass, pass pass-to-pass, a.k.a. um, SBAS. Weird. Thank you. <laughs> so autonomous or SBAS, you're uh, less than 20 centimeters. And your convergence time is anywhere ranging between 5 to 10 minutes. Uh, whereas when you get into a satellite GS, this is something delivered by a few more satellites, mm-hmm. um, ranging in, in numbers from, let's say, 9 to 11 to 13, 17, 26 satellites, depending on how many or how good your correction is. Um, with that, your pass to pass gets actually less than 14 centimeters. Mm-hmm. And you also have a convergence of less than three minutes. So it's much faster convergence. It's a much better pass to pass. But the other main benefit to it is your repeatability. So yes, coming back, getting your same exact line um, a week later, a month later, uh, maybe not quite a year mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or two because yep. things do change, but you're at less than 50 centimeters from a repeatability. So say you go and apply earlier in the year, whether it's a, a planting application or fertilizer application and then switch over to a spraying application, then maybe even a burn down or fertilizer again at the end of the year. Whereas autonomous, really your repeatability or SBAS, it's really not published, but right. people will say that it could be 100 centimeters, 200 centimeters. Right. Um, your repeatability is a little bit weighing. Mm-hmm. So that's where you do have some benefits to it. Now, if we want to step in and go even further to say a satellite GS, um, there you're talking to where you're getting down to a pass-to-pass of five centimeters. So if you're not too familiar with metric system versus <laughs> uh, English system or imperial, um, 2.5 centimeters is about an inch. 25.4 millimeters is the exact reference to it. So at five centimeters, Ooh. we're at about two inches, right? Mm-hmm. So that's where you're at. Whereas RTK, you start getting down to about that 2.5 centimeters and some are even starting to get down to less than two. Right. So that's where you kind of have your different levels of correction accuracy. And we offer different ranges from, you know, a little bit less accurate. SBAS, autonomous, kind of comes standard with any of our packages. But you have this option to upgrade. Uh, like I mentioned, this industry or this uh, delivery of corrections is changing. Mm-hmm. So I do expect some more changes coming out in the next couple of years, especially as we start moving more towards autonomous vehicles and the automotive right. industry. Right. So big changes coming there. Uh, there is a little bit of a cost associated with these. It's it's not free because it is satellite delivered. And one of the things I mentioned around satellite GS Lite is that is a subscription base only. I do want to clarify on that. It's subscription only on, say, the the RS1 or right. 600S. On our 500S, our affordable entry lower 
uh, entry economical device, it's actually a one-time unlock, right? And there's no subscription to it. Uh, whereas Satellite GS on both those products also has a different uh, configuration as well, mm-hmm. with a combination of unlock and subscription as well. Yep. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're. I mean, just at a at a high level, they're different receiver types. They have different scalability. And actually, I was gonna when you were talking about it being a. a you know, I like a yearly subscription. I was like, did I write that down wrong? But I had 500s on my mind. I was thinking that that's that is something to take into consideration, right? Mm-hmm. Is uh, is that? And then uh, just to jump into the whole pass to pass accuracy, that's 15 minute time frame. That's a 15 minute window. Yes, uh, 15 from, minutes. You know, yep. so it's like you're looking at technically or typically that's going to be yeah your passes are going to be within that window or you're at least still going to be on your same line. Yeah. Right. If you even have a longer field, but so anything outside of that is repeatability. Correct. But correct. The, uh, I don't know if it's say like the decay or something like that, the further out you get, I mean, it's just a, it's a crap shoot or it can be, it it could be, but good point bringing up that. Yeah, it is 15 minutes. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's virtually your working window, right? Yep. Exactly. Going up and back and forth down the field, not, stopping and coming back a week from now that would right. where you get to repeatability. repeatability yep yep absolutely well all right anything else we wanted to hit on with that i think that covers gps and gnss corrections gnss <laughs> i don't think i'm ever going to be able to get used to saying that but i mean it's the technically more correct term gps is local to the states so right. we are more accustomed with that but if you really want to include Beidou, galileo all the correction services that we do support uh, that's where GNSS is more of your global navigation, navigation. satellite systems. Very good. Maybe, maybe. I Very don't know. Good. Taking a stab at it. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> we are digressing. Uh, let's see. I don't know. what. Where do we want to jump to next? Or what, what would you like to talk to next? One thing we did kind of jump in pretty heavy with uh, RS1 as it encompasses, but I do want to take a step back and talk about RS1 versus SC1. Sure. And even okay. what that relates to from a TC1 standpoint. Because mm-hmm. I, I feel like we've had RS1 out for, you know, since October of 17 or even September of 17. Somewhere around there. It was kind of in that time frame right about when I started. So a great there time to go. join the company. There you go. Uh, we've made a few iterations and changes. And one of the things we're talking about here is a software update. But since our initial launch of RS1, we've also released a single product node called the SC1. And we also coupled that with a new release of a TC1 as mm-hmm. well. So just real quick, what an SC1 is, is it's really the steering portion of RS1 contained in a single product node. Has your exact same inertials as RS1, has the same UT or user interface of RS1. The only difference is we're not pairing it and coupling it with a GPS receiver right. and with a slingshot or cell modem. But it does require a different installation package. It's yep. at a different location on the machine. And one of the big benefits to it is it allows you some flexibility. RS1, what's nice about it is everything is packaged together, mm-hmm. but not everybody wants that exact package or can use it for the configuration that it's intended. Um, some of the benefits to that, uh, breaking it out, allows us to pair with, say, a third-party GPS. Or an existing user already has a field hub, and yes, the RS1 can adapt in and use an external field hub. You don't necessarily have to use the internal modem, but some guys already have that or went through the upgrade programs that we offered going to the Field Hub 2.0 within the last year. So we have people that have some varying levels of product that are either upgrading a machine or um, are utilizing some other equipment into the system, considering that we're compatible with a few others. 
So with SC1, you're virtually the single product node. Mm-hmm. Um, with that node, it still is compatible with the ISO CAN system. You can use our HDU or hydraulic driver unit to be compatible with, say, a Patriot machine mm-hmm. that can uh, adapt to where it's not ISO. Or we can even use it with our mechanical drive unit, the MD. So you do have a lot of different steering partners that we can use with it. You have some different uh, GPS antennas, as I mentioned, what I would consider a third-party GPS. And then we also did build into it to where you can actually adjust, say, a RTK radio frequency. Right. So if you're pairing with, I'll use a specific example, like a 450 or 900 megahertz radio, such as the AG715 offered by Trimble that you're using between your different base stations, mm-hmm. um, we can actually configure on our object pool on the Viper 4 uh, using the SC1 interface or the object pool and you can store up to 10 different radio frequencies or base oh, really? stations okay. that you can actually uh, sit and rotate between obviously a lot of the areas that we operate or our customers operate might have hills mountain ranges right. and they might have base stations on the other side of the range or on the other side of their farm or we know that guys aren't just operating in 40 acres and they're you know operating thousands upon thousands right. of acres and they're going to be moving between base stations so remembering that you know, I have a selection for Joe's Farm or Miller Farm or uh, the North 40, and I can easily switch between those nameable uh, functions. But I think it's about 10 profiles. I'm pretty sure it's 10 profiles that you can save to it, but it allows you the ability to save those different uh, frequencies so you don't have to keep a little logbook with you. Mm-hmm. Or the big benefit to it is you don't have to take a separate computer into the cab, disconnect right. the GPS antenna, and uh, hook up your laptop to the the paired, you know, with an AG715, it couples right into the 372 receiver. So you would have to disconnect them from our system, reconfigure yep. it, and then move. Well, if I ended up doing that five times in a week, that's not a very fun process. So we're we're able to actually have that right on the, the mainframe and, and work with it. So I know that was a little bit of a tangent on SC1 for a second. No, that's fine. But the other thing I want to clarify then is the TC1. Right. So the TC1 is the exact same hardware, exact same inertials, exact same object pool, but is targeted specifically for tractors. And with that said, it, it really the main difference, if you looked at it, you took the functionality of it, is it's going to be capped at a speed. Mm-hmm. It's capped at about uh, 12 mile an hour, I believe is our exact number. It can be unlocked to a full SC1, but any of the tractors that we offer a steering solution for, you're going to see a TC1 or an RS1 available. You won't see the SC1, even though you could upgrade to it. It's a simple oh, sure. unlock. But it it has more to do with just our exact cabling configuration, and it is at a little bit different price point as well. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to take it off, remove it, say go put it onto a, a sprayer, move it in season, um, you can certainly do that. It just does require a different unlock to give you all the different right. profiles for the sprayer. It comes at a little bit extra upcharge to get to a full SC1. So there isn't any uh, cost benefit to taking a TC1 and doing an unlock up to an SC1. You're going to be paying for the exact same sprayer. Sure. But it gives you that flexibility to have different uh, offerings in the tractor. Okay. And really that leads up into where we do have an offering for implement steering, and we're working on our next generation for implement steering. So a little teaser of something to come for this fall that we're working with our our team over at, at Raven Europe, previous integration path that... Uh, they helped us a lot on the RS1, SE1, and now TC1 development. And that's right. where really our play is mm-hmm. and why we have a different part number. We have a different product specifically for tractors. It gives us a little bit more flexibility sure. in targeting that exact market. Okay. Nice. Uh, 
Well then, if we want to I think we want to just jump into some of the since we're talking about machines, we want to just jump into some of the machine kits that'll be coming out. Certainly. So uh no you're fine. I just say maybe we'll do let's just do the RS ones first. Sure. So one of the things when we do a release, so version one four specifically, is we're releasing tune sets, we're releasing features, we're fixing bugs, mm-hmm. but we're also releasing um, the physical kit for an install. Now, most of our products, we're going out and we're customizing the exact install kit. So it doesn't look like some generic or universal or aftermarket kit, first off. Right. So you don't have wires running inside and out the door and out the back window. Um, it's actually made to fit. You have the right brackets. But we're also getting on there and we're tuning it to make sure that how we're responding with our steering inertials, how the wheel angle sensors are responding, how the hydraulics are warming up, all of that matters into a big, long variable and comes out to right. an equation. right. And the way we've built our products is we can go and fine-tune them. So our engineering team goes out, adjusts it, makes it to where I would say it's better than OEM performance. You know, I mean, that's that's our goal. We don't want to be really good on a red machine versus a yellow machine. We're mediocre versus, say, a versatile or somebody else's machine that we're blah. Not, not, right. not something we want to put mm-hmm. the Raven logo on, right? So one of the things with this release is... We're adding that drop down, but we're also adding a sellable kit. And all these kits can be found on RSQ. They can be found in our product guides. Um, any dealer should have access to both of those. Okay. So the kits that we actually released for this particular uh, version of 1.4 comes down to a couple different uh, variants for RS1. But then when we get to SC1, we also added in some additional kits as well. So RS1, the two kits that we're releasing, is a Kubota M7 non-steer ready. So Kubota does have a couple different versions of the model or the tractor that comes out, very similar to a lot of our current uh, sprayer spreaders to where they'll have a steering valve from the factory. Mm. Or if it's non-steer ready, we're adding on some additional hydraulics to make it a steerable solution. So the first one on that list from an RS1 standpoint was the Kubota M7. M7 being the first start to it, and then there's some different dashes of different uh, Mm. models, configurations, and Kubota does have a few different M7 type of series tracks. So that just kind of covers the M7 family? Is that what, that, what that's meaning? Yeah, that's, good. that's kind and of a good a, way to look at it. It's kind of more the, the family or the, sure. the series. I'm, I'm yeah, not that, sure exactly nope, that's how they better call word. it. That's, yeah, that's probably a more professional term is the series. <laughs> Don't mind me. Yeah, Kubota, you know, a little bit more from, I would say, a utility tractor. Mm-hmm. But they are starting to add bigger classes of tractors. So we've had more right. requests of these type of tractors. But also when it starts getting into, say, more specialty orchards or vineyards to where you need low clearance, but yet you need some horsepower and need to pull some some products right. and still be very straight. So we're starting to see more iterations of, of products in that nature than the big traditional heavy horsepower machines as well. You're starting mm-hmm. to see a lot of these technologies go down to the smaller areas. So that's one of the kits. And then Miller New Holland, the large frame sprayers. So not quite as popular of a machine out right. there in the market, but a little bit more of the larger flame. So that will actually do, now we'll have the entire portfolio for all Miller New Holland uh, front boom sprayers for uh, RS1, SE1 oh, steering. Oh, okay. <clears throat> there is some uh, legacy products we've done as well for Miller New Holland, and I believe at least the RS1 for model year 17 prior. We do have those kits available. I don't believe the SC one is available today, but that is something on the roadmap as well. Sure, sure. So in... Part of our, our process going forward is we're going to be creating an RS1 and an SC1 kit. 
So initially when we launched it, we were just doing a bunch of RS1 kits. And that was um, mostly around our strategy. But we received some feedback in regards to some of our legacy systems, compatibility with party GPS receivers, is how we created the SC1. And because the cabling is different, the installation is different, brackets are different, uh, we had to go back to some of those previous Mm -hmm. machines. So the the install kit wasn't available. You could still do a generic kit if you wanted to to take the initiative. There's nothing wrong with that. Tune set's already available. But going forward, we'll be creating a dual branded kit. So both are available at at release. Oh, sure. And then uh, just to jump into there then, especially like probably a big difference between when it comes to calibration, a big difference between RS1 and SC1. We're looking at, you know, with the RS1, typically we're, we have the mounting hardware. Either it can go directly on top of the cab or there's some Correct. additional brackets Correct. that get added uh, depending on the different machines. Uh, so that one's pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about the inertial sensors and everything in there, uh, the RS1, it's sort of designed to look like, you know, just be going one direction. Correct. Uh, but when it comes to the SC1s, there's those extra considerations uh, to how that SC1 node or ECU, or whatever we want to call it, needs to be mounted. Uh, and uh, let me think here. And actually, you know, and so when we when we do a lot of these things, like you had kind of spoken to a little bit with uh, doing the tune sets and everything mm-hmm. to make that calibration just that much easier. And we've we've spoken about it before uh, on on the podcast and our YouTube channel. Just the differences between that quick calibration and an auto calibration. Correct. Those are things you know that mm-hmm. that quick cal that'll make it. I mean, that's kind of like your ballpark. And then if you want to get even finer, you go into the auto Correct. cal, and Correct. then. That's kind of the same type of thing with the SE one as we're mounting that that ECU, you know, and just make sure that's in a you know, it's flat or parallel to your direction mm-hmm. of travel, things like that. Uh, so and actually as the team is designing this, okay. we're trying to create a bracket. So I'll use a case patriot for example. We have an HDU installed mm-hmm. in the cab. So we're actually creating a bracket that installs the HDU and the SC one. So you have them in the right orientation. To your right, point, exactly. how the inertials are lined up, and is it this way, this way? Well, everybody can't see my hand directions He's doing now, some weird... But <laughs> are you doing the Macarena? <laughs> Not quite. Uh, I don't remember how to do that. Can you show me, Matt? No, we're moving on. <laughs> All right, so yes, based on the orientation, <laughs> based on the orientation and how it's actually calibrated does make a difference. I mean, yep, exactly. very similar when you think about the RCM on the back of the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Autoboom XRT is a great example. How I have the ABM or the REM and how I'm actually sensing what it means by a longitude, latitudinal roll can make a big difference. It can throw it off 180 degrees based on yep. my calculations, right? So that makes a huge difference. So we're trying to engineer that out from a mistake standpoint, but also uh, there is a limited area. A lot of times we're trying to yeah, put an R- right. HDU and an SC1 inside the cab, say behind the, the right-hand console. You know, there, there's not a lot of room in there. They're not designed for two more nodes and some additional cabling. Right. But that's where at least our bulkhead is, so we have some access to it. So very good point. It it does create a, just a little bit more of a challenge, but it's something that we're willing to solve. Well, right. And when you talk about the the additional bracketry, or you know, uh, and you bring it up XRT, that's a good that's a good example. You know, uh, we the installation kits they're set up to be put in such a way so that when you're going through the initial setup or if you ever have to recalibrate, uh, that step is just already done for you mm-hmm. uh, because it is programmed in the tune set as well. Correct, correct. So anyway, 
there's that that's my tangent for the day <laughs> well i do want to cover real quick which sc1 kits we did yep. update on here and so just for everybody's understanding these are actually kits that have already had an rs1 release so the tune set was already there this is more or less just the physical installation kit so steiger model year 16 and newer and we actually did uh, once we got on the Steiger machines, we did update the tune set as well. So if you do have an RS1 in the field, mm-hmm. and if you are running on Steiger, I know that there's a few out there, we would ask that you would update to 1.4. Your steering performance will be better. Uh, if you already haven't done your AutoCal and, and kind of fudged with right. it, but we've fine-tuned it just a little bit more to come out with a little bit better, what I would consider a factory calibration standard that is going to give us a little bit better performance, a little mm-hmm. tighter snap and a little bit better online acquisition. Well, right, and to take another tangent off of that. Go ahead. So uh, that's another big difference, I think, between the quick cal and the auto cal. Um, and you're going to have to correct me if I'm wrong. Luke's not here to correct me if I'm wrong, which he <laughs> usually does. Uh, it's just uh, So we're using that quick cal, or those numbers, those tune set numbers, as correct. the starting point. Correct. So when we looked at some of the uh, some legacy steering solutions, like the calibration took so much longer because we were starting from nothing, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much. I mean, there there were some there were some uh, tune set numbers in, let's say, Smart Tracks, for example. But uh, at least we we already know the ballpark, and then we're just tweaking the numbers from there based on the specific dynamics of that machine, right? So that's where that's where uh, yeah, if they have if they haven't done that auto calibration, you may want to update and then do your, do that full hydraulic calibration. Correct. But yeah, I'd say, I'm, you know what I'm just going to say? Just, just update anyway. <laughs> should always update software whenever you have the availability, right? Well, there's always enhancements. Yep. There's always feature improvements. Uh, and as much as we don't want to admit, there's always bug fixes that we have yeah. in there. That, yep. That's always a good thing. So always do that. And yeah, I completely agree with the recommendation to update software, right. Matt. There's my last tangent. <laughs> Don't let me, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Take it away. This The rest of the show is yours. All right. Well, the other couple SC1 kits that we are releasing that I just wanted to kind of circle back to and make sure we don't uh, forget off of this list is some different Patriot 3000 series kits going all the way back to model year 10. So mm-hmm. that does quite create quite a range that we are able to offer RS1 or SC1 on. And there is different kit configurations based on your model machine, whether it's steer ready, non-steer ready. Um, yeah, there's there's all different kinds. So please use RSQ or right. the product guide. Don't want to give any part numbers out here, but sure. uh, just well, so you're aware that RS1 running out of time. <laughs> time for yeah. RS1 and SC1, we do have kits now going back to model year 10. Yep. And you know, some guys have called around a model year nine and and older. It's it's machines that we're probably not going to get on and do a very specific kit, but we do have offering of generic or universal cabling. Mm-hmm. Your tune set is obviously not going to be on there. You're going to have to adjust it, use an auto cal. You can certainly do it. It's just not something that we've been able to support based on all the different wants and needs of the configurations of well, machines we right, have out there. Right. You ready for a teaser now? It's a sure. Big, big heavy yes. <laughs> You're supposed to be like, yes, come on. So <laughs> now everybody's looking in this room, wondering what the heck's going on. They're always looking in here, wondering right. what's going on. So what? What's up? All right. So the big thing with one four, and the reason why we're so excited about this, even though we have a good list of all these mm-hmm. kits that we're releasing and features and sellable items, 
is leading up for our next big launch this summer. So our next big launch out of steering guidance is our row steering solution. Non-contact, no mechanical, vision-based type of solution. So a lot of our steering team that has worked on development of RS1 and SC1 and TC1 over the last few years have also been transitioning into our next generation product. And so that gives us a lot of excitement Mm -hmm. because it's not just a um, sprayer addition. It can be something that can be used on tractors, on autonomous vehicles. Um, It's really a play that's going to lead us to our next uh, big level for steering and guidance. So there is some announcements coming out at Summit. Right. There's also going to be some announcements as we get towards our trade shows this fall and a lot of demonstrations. So don't have a name that I'm going to promote here at the moment, but I do want everybody to know that if you have an RS1 or SE1 system today, all it's going to require is going to be a software upgrade to be compatible with our row steering system. And what's really awesome about that is we have a lot of great performance. We have a lot of great feedback from the RS1 and SE1 in the field today. Mm-hmm. And it's just going to be an additional piece of hardware and a cable. And right. now I'm going to have, yes, I'm going to have a different object pool that I get to run in, but we're trying to make the best of both worlds and merge our RS1 and our row steering yep. uh, solution together to make it very uh, compatible. And that was some of the updates that happened in 1.4. If you don't have the row steering as a, as a beta unit right now, you're not going to see any of those updates, but that's a lot of the stuff that we're working on in the background. Yep, laying so, a lot of groundwork for that. So one five, one six, we're really excited for those releases. One will be coming out this fall. The other one coupling with uh, right. early next spring, and that will be the full out launch of our next generation steering product. So yes. that's my little teaser, man. Yeah, well, you know what? Stay I tuned. Like, <laughs> you know, I've uh, I've seen it. I think it's really cool. That's about all I'm gonna be able to tease. But uh, it's just, it's awesome. And it is uh, it is just as simple as you say, uh, from an installation standpoint and everything like that. The biggest thing is we're allowing the operators to focus on application control. Yep. They don't have to worry about, is my boom in the ground? Am I driving down a straight line? Am I running over crop? So now we're giving people tools from a machine control standpoint that allow them to focus on application control. And the big word we use around here is spare efficacy. Yep. How can I control... Yep. What is being applied when? I mean, it's really the four, four R's, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's also reducing fatigue. Absolutely, it, you know, it's allowing a mediocre operator, and I'm not saying that in a mean term, but mediocre, mediocre operator, or somebody that's putting in ten hours a day to right. reduce the number of mistakes. And mistakes in this day and age cost a lot of money. They train us; we learn a lot from them. Yep. But this is a way that we can eliminate yep. or engineer them out. So we're extremely excited, and a lot of the feedback we receive from our customers has been extremely positive. We know that we still have some bugs and kinks to work out, and we're going to keep refining this product, and we already have a long list of items on how to improve that. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're continuously improving and wanting to focus on that, and it will definitely be a good thing for our portfolio here to come. All right, nice. Uh, is there anything else? I think, well, actually real quick, I know uh, you'd mentioned MD earlier, and we may just want to we may just want to talk up to this a little bit. Uh, just how, like I think traditionally that was called Smart Tracks MD, uh, but I can let you talk to it a little bit more unless you're done talking, because I'll take the tangent. <laughs> but because uh, I think we're we're just going to MD now, right? Correct. So that uh, the hardware is not changing, 
Correct. anything like that. But just from a from a branding standpoint, we're calling it MD because I think like uh, you may have mentioned this before, just some people were not knowing that RS1 could work with uh, the mechanical drive as a steering partner. Correct. So, yeah, one of the steering partners you're bringing up is the MD. Uh, long-term is called Mechanical Drive. Yep. It's been a product that we've had in our portfolio for a few years. I think in 2013, 2014 is when we launched it. And what it is, it allows flexibility or more of a universal yep. adaptation on the steering column. And we have different adapters to it. And traditionally, we've called that product the Smarttrax MD. And in the recent weeks, recent months, we've, well, actually since RS1 came out is when we made this change. But uh, there is availability to work with the MD on an RS1 or SC1 or TC1. Now, the existing MD that we have in our portfolio today does work with legacy SmartTrax product, or it is also forwards compatible with the software update mm-hmm. on SmartTrax MD to make it compatible with an RS1 or SC1. Uh, we have refined it and continue to develop that product. So yep. purchasing one of our latest generation is going to give a little bit better performance with an RS1 or SC1, but however, you probably wouldn't notice much of a change. But to avoid confusion in the marketplace because SmartTrax was tied to that entire product or steering partner line, we have decided to make it called the MD. Right. And then all the installation kits as well from a SmartTrax installer are still going to be called SmartTrax. All SC1 or RS1 are going to be the appropriate name. And then either generation of MD will work and be compatible. Right. So, good thing to bring up. And I know that there was maybe a little bit of confusion in the marketplace. We had people calling and saying, well, I have a SmartTrax MD. I have to return it to get my RS1 MD. <laughs> and <laughs> right. it was, oh, it was man, a simple man. software update. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that saves people some confusion and potential aggravation. Well, right. And when that was designed, it was designed with, uh, you know, to be future-proofed because it is an ISO base. It is an ISO device. Correct, correct. Uh, so even though uh, Legacy SmartTrax was operating on a uh, Raven proprietary CAN system, mm-hmm. you would, it was still talking, that node or that, you know, the SmartTrax MD node, the steering node, was uh, talking on two different buses at correct. the same time. correct. But now... Uh, with RS1 or SC1 or TC1 with the the MD, it's just, it's all in the same bus. Uh, Correct. From an ISO guidance standpoint. Correct. So, I just, uh, I'd written down a note there. Kind of yeah, wanted to hit on that. It's a good call out. I forgot about it. Well, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Uh, but, now do you think we're done? I think that covers it, unless you had any other no, further I, items written I, down on nope, that piece of paper. I've had all my tangents. I, all right. I've blown I've blown my tangent allowance today. So <laughs> Well, thanks for the invite today. <laughs> thanks for showing up. <laughs> okay. You're gonna be going to cut that? What? No, that's where that's where I'm gonna fade the music out. <laughs>